interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along as the football season is winding down. Uh, we, but we still got some games, and we still got them here right here on uh, KLIN. And uh, so this afternoon, uh, there's a little bit of disruption in the local schedule. Uh, you're going to get some local programming till about 10:30, and then we're going to switch to the Husker Network, and they'll do the pregame show. 2:30 is the uh, Nebraska-Michigan game, and so you want to make sure that you, uh, uh, it, you know, I like to watch the game on TV. You know what? Some of the games aren't as competitive as they could be, and then it's great to have KLIN, and you can just listen on the radio and do chores in the yard or whatever it is you need to do and enjoy those Huskers right here on this station, but also be very productive. See, that's what radio does for you. Uh, so uh, uh, we are glad, though, that this morning there is a full episode of Friendly Fire, and I'm glad to have in studio with me today Aaron Hess uh, from Capital Studies. Did I say your name right? That is correct. Yes, Stu. Oh, thank well, you for the invitation and yes. privilege to be here. Very. It's good to have you here in studio. Um, Capital Studies, I, uh, I actually had uh, the previous uh, leader of Capital Studies here a number of years ago, and that was uh, Perry Gauthier. And, uh, and Perry, was, uh, sadly, was one of the first casualties that I was aware of uh, of COVID early on in COVID. What, what happened? Well, Perry and Faith had been a part of this ministry for a long time. Uh, they actually established the state uh, ministry called Capital Studies back in 2017. And uh, Perry and Faith were working very diligently. And in uh, Thanksgiving of 2020, they had some meetings over in Omaha. And at that time, they were exposed to the COVID virus. And so they uh, home secluded and stayed, did what they thought they needed to do. They started feeling a little bit better. And Perry jumped right back into business as usual, hard work. And as a result of it, it came back with a vengeance. Mm. Uh, Faith had to take him to the emergency room, and that was the last time she saw him. Oh, it was unfortunate, but uh, she really believes and has trusted in the Lord that uh, God wanted him home in heaven with them, him. Mm. And uh, she has carried on now, moving back to uh, Texas and and has uh, been engaged in a grief group there. Mm. Uh, was back just a couple of weeks ago here to Nebraska and visited with us and doing well. And so we're thankful for that. But Perry had a, a great impact on this state in the area of the uh, Capitol building and ministries there. Yeah, yeah. So he um, he was a, a the main leader of uh, Capital Studies. And uh, just describe briefly what Capital Studies is. We're going to get into more detail here in just a minute. Sure, sure. Capital Studies is a, is a, is a, a ministry whereby we connect. It's it's nonpartisan, non-denominational. Uh, really, just want to bring the Bible in and do Bible studies with senators and staff who are in the Capitol building. People don't often know that the Capitol building houses between 900 and 1,200 people a day. Mm. So it's the size of a second-class city in the state of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And I have often said it is one of our most neglected mission fields. 
because those people need the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. And Mm -hmm. when I say the gospel, I mean the good news that Jesus saves and Mm -hmm. he will take and be a blessing to the person who trusts him and follows him. But the the ministry itself, Capital Studies, uh, carries on a special way. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says, I will also speak to you of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. And that is really the motto for us is serving civil servants with Scripture. Mm. And that is then our tool to come in and as a chaplain, and I I carry the title as a chaplain in the Capitol building. People call me lots of names, uh, good names and bad (laughs) names. And let's just be honest about it. It's uh, it's Mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. But I, I really look forward to the opportunity of being a pastor to people in that capacity. Mm hmm. That's, we're going to get more into exactly, again, some of the nuts and bolts of uh, uh, Capital Studies. But I do want to learn about just a little bit your story. Uh, where, did, where did you grow up? I actually was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. People would say, well, you, you, you need to be a Wichita Shockers or a Kansas Jayhawk <laughs> or somebody like that. But I, I went to elementary school there. My dad worked for Boeing Aircraft Company mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was moved to uh, the Pacific Northwest, north of Seattle. And uh, he began working on the 747s back in the day. Mm-hmm. It dates me. I'm obviously, <laughs> I went to junior high school there, uh, started a, a high school that was newly built for the influx of the people who came in to work at that large plant. Mm. And uh, there were 900 students in my freshman class in high school. Mm. Uh, Very, very large school. Wow. My father was laid off from Boeing because they said either take a half cut in pay or a layoff. Mm. Uh, He couldn't make house payments and take care of the rest of the things for the family. And so he moved back to the family farm in southeastern Colorado. Mm. And I went from a population of 900 in my my freshman class to 16 in my <laughs> sophomore class. Oh boy. So there was what we might call uh, urban uh, shock adjustment. Mm. And uh, my brother and I had an older brother that was just uh, less than a year older than me. And Dana and I were making adjustments to the new high school setting there. And uh, in that setting, uh, we had moved there and started farming the the, the homestead, the farm family farm, mm. and I uh, got engaged with things that were going on. Uh, my older brother Dana, uh, likewise, uh, it was hard adjustment for us from the setting we were in before. Mm. And uh, on January ninth of nineteen seventy one, uh, my brother Dana took his life. And in that suicide, I remember walking out in the fields, the corn stalks, and uh, and saying, how can there be a good God in heaven? And he would let something like this happen to me, mm. to our family. Mm. You know, we're not really bad people. Mm. Why, why did you let this happen? Mm. And uh, our pastor at that time uh, went to a little independent Baptist church, and he, he tried to share with me, but there was no getting through. My mm. mind was, was hardened. And from that point on, for the next 18 months, I lived as a practicing agnostic. Mm. And as a teenager who said, there can't be a God and mm-hmm. awful things like this happen. I remember uh, coming over the crest of a hill uh, after a night of partying. And uh, I was living for me for the moment. And mm. I met a black, white-faced <laughs> Angus cow in the middle of the road. Mm. And she turned, and her white face was in my headlights, and I thought, oh, I'm going to die. 
as a 17-year-old, I thought, you know, you you use the expression, your your life flashes before your eyes. As a 17-year-old, you don't have much life. I'm just <laughs> I'm sharing with you that right now. But I, I remember thinking, I'm going to die. Where would I go? Mm-hmm. I got past the cow. I got home in a few minutes. And I laid there in my bed that night, and I kept asking myself that question, where would I go? But I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. I, I, but if I'm wrong. Hmm. Now, my parents did keep me going to church, but they loosened the reins and allowed me to do lots of things. And at, th- at that point that night, I remember saying, God, if you are real, hmm. please save me. Hmm as your scripture says. Mm. And Stu, he did. Mm. Immediately, God gave a peace of heart and mind that only he could give. Mm. And immediately I knew I had a purpose for life. I didn't have an identity before that. Now I had an identity. I'm a child of God. Mm. I'm an ambassador of heaven. And those things were the things that captured my heart. I lived my senior year there and going to Campo High School in southeastern Colorado, Mm -hmm. went off to Bible college, met my precious wife there. God then moved and worked in my life. After a master's degree, I came to Nebraska as a youth pastor in Norfolk, Nebraska, and I served there for 41 years, moving from youth pastor eventually to senior pastor. Wow. Now, see, when we talk about the Christian testimony, we want to hear how God's God's worked in these obvious ways. And uh, I, I know there are listeners out there that can relate to that story. Well, you know, I have found, Stu, that a lot of people uh, make connection from the standpoint of saying, well, how did you handle the hardship in life? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you know? And I will just have to say to you that God reveals himself to us. And the wonderful thing about it is he's actually given us a book to be able to do that called mm-hmm. the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's my handbook of life. And mm-hmm. I use it right now. But for 41 years of ministry in Norfolk, Nebraska, I, I served at a non-denominational Bible church there. And my ministry was is to give the gospel to people so that they can come to know Christ as Savior and then to take and disciple them and grow them in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. so that they likewise can be followed of the Lord and ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And it's been a privilege. We had four children. We now have uh, uh, two that are married. And of those two that are married, they've produced for us uh, five grandchildren. Mm. They all live right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so that was a draw for us to come down from Norfolk to here in Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll figure out how you made that connection with Capital Studies. And, and we'll start unpacking a little bit about what, what it is that you're doing down there because it's, uh, uh, it's, it's unique in a partisan environment where you can actually do some things that are nonpartisan. Uh, maybe that's because God didn't call us to be Democrats or Republicans, but to be his children, to be Christians. So uh, we'll get back to that here in just a moment. You're listening to Friendly Fire on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively. The conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety-nine three KLIN. We are back at the Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with uh, Aaron Hess. Uh, he's the what is the title? He's like director or uh, I'm actually just called the chaplain. The chaplain and uh, president of Capital Studies. Okay, the chaplain and president. Of, I'm just going to call you chaplain or pastor or just Aaron. Aaron okay. will be just fine. So. Okay, he's working with Capital Studies down there uh, at the state capitol. And um, 
we're, we're just as you were sharing your, your testimony again, uh, a Christian testimony, how we came to faith in Christ and how God, in this case, uh, just gave you peace in that moment. Um, there are so many people uh, who who experienced what you experience. This whole idea of, uh, of, boy, something bad happened. Well, if God is powerful, if God is good, why didn't he do something? And, and in that moment, uh, it's, it, our, it tests our faith. Uh, what, what were some of the things as time went on you came to understand about the ways that which God works? And, and maybe, uh, maybe that you didn't understand right away, but you have come to know in terms of, of the character of God and how God works. Amen. Well, thank you, Stu, for that question. It's a good question, and and really all of us has to answer that question. We have to come to grips with it in our heart and our mind that we know who God is and, and why God has allowed certain things in life. And uh, allowing for the suicide of a brother, that's a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. But I will say to you, it was as a result of uh, the loss of, the, of my brother that God brought me to himself to realize that he is the one who will take the hurts of the world in which we live, and they're real. Uh, mm-hmm. Anybody can ask me. I, I actually had another brother who took his life, mm. an older brother who served in mm. Vietnam. Mm. PTSD consumed his life for 40 years, mm. and then he took his life. I uh, mm. came down with cancer of the lung, and uh, he just felt like rather than fighting it, he and 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 people get the idea that that is the way to escape these problems. It really isn't because we end up leaving behind all of the the, the mm-hmm. turmoil of the people yeah. who have to go on with life and mm-hmm. living. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's an important thing. So I've been asked many times to help minister to people in those settings. But I will tell you right now that in in light of that, the new birth of Jesus Christ, that is what I experienced that morning in, in July of 1973 when I called upon Jesus and asked him to save me. Mm-hmm. That is what everyone should experience because Jesus even made that statement, you must be born again to a man by the name of Nicodemus who was a religious leader among the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And you would think that he would know these things, but he didn't. He did not fully understand it and grasp it. And just as a wind blows where it wants to and you, you, you can't see it, but you can see perhaps the leaves rustling or maybe feel it on your face. So you have what are some emotions or some means of experience of those things that help tell you that it's real, even though you can't see it with your eyes. And faith is that way. Faith is for us uh, not seeing with the eyes, but believing and trusting and moving forward with that. Mm -hmm. Faith is the foundation of of what we believe and why we believe it. Mm -hmm. And so God has been so good in that and that he's rescued my soul and it needed rescuing. And I actually have to be honest with you. I still need rescuing every day of my life because Amen. I'm finding that uh, I, I sometimes want to live for self instead of living for the Savior or for God. Yes, yes. I think that's the we, we talk about preach the gospel to yourself every day because yes. we again, the, the more you grow in Christ, the more you realize how much you have been saved from Amen. and that it didn't stop years ago. It, it just you keep finding more and more uh, of that. Quick question related to, uh, I had somebody come up to me just this past week uh, who was talking about a suicide of a, uh, of a friend. And uh, some, again, in this case, someone who professed faith in Christ and who had, had walked with Christ for a number of years was, was the impression I got. And yet sometimes the depression and so forth is so gripping 
Uh, and I guess I uh, the question was again suicide clearly is a sin. It's it's yes. it's, a, it's a breaking of the commandment to murder yourself. Yes. Uh, but uh, nowhere in Scripture does it say it's the unforgivable sin that that God can't. Uh, and and so we kind of got into that a little bit. Have you had to kind of work through that a little bit in your own experience? Yes, I have. I uh, when I was in college, in fact, uh, I I had people say to me that they thought perhaps. Uh, this brother couldn't be saved, couldn't be mm-hmm. in heaven, mm-hmm. because he had committed the sin of self-murder. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, any sin can be forgiven except for the sin against the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. rejecting God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you reject and harden your heart. and You say no to the mm-hmm. Lord, mm-hmm. to your eternal damnation. Uh, mm-hmm. The scripture's clear on that. Uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Five times he hardened his heart on his own. And then five times God helped harden his heart because yeah. he had cross the bounds of it. And so when I'm sharing with people who've experienced the loss of a loved one as a result of suicide, I try to share with them that uh, we don't know the destiny of their soul Mm -hmm. because really that's up to the individual. But I do say to them that if they have professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by calling upon him and Mm -hmm. seeking in repentance and faith Mm -hmm. to be born into the family of God, then their soul is secure. Mm-hmm. Now, my soul was secure the day I called upon the name of the Lord, but I've sinned since then. <laughs> yes. And every day I need to come to the Lord. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that means that I can get my fellowship reestablished with God again. Sin breaks that fellowship, but it does not break the 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 membership that I have in God's family. Mm-hmm. And so I've tried to explain to folks that way, if that person was a Christian, even though they took their own life, and mm-hmm. I don't consider it an unpardonable sin, but I yeah. try to counsel them and share with them in the depths of depression or yeah. woe or discouragement, people can do a lot of things. And I, I don't I don't try to judge them. Mm-hmm. But I try to share with those who are alive and remain and those who are going through the hardship of the loss of this loved one and the grief that's overwhelming and mm-hmm. that God has a way and he will provide. Yeah. And so, yes, I share with them. I share with them hope from Scripture because ultimately we've got to understand that it's the Prince of Peace from Scripture who is also the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that is going to bring to them the solace of yeah. soul that only he can do, comfort yeah. of heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are uh, so many questions that I want to get to in just a moment about uh, capital studies and how how you do this. Uh, but uh, how would you say, so 41 years as a pastor up in Norfolk, how did those 41 years prepare you for the very unique challenges of uh, being a chaplain at the Capitol? Well, there, there are several things, actually. We actually had a small Christian school affiliated with our church ministry up there mm-hmm. in Norfolk, and uh, not large by any stretch of the imagination, 75 students or mm-hmm. 80 mm-hmm. students at its, its top times. And that, that school uh, allowed me to connect with others who had small Christian schools and some larger Christian schools, uh, even uh, Lincoln Christian School, for example, Mm -hmm. Omaha Baptist Academy, several others that we connected with. We started a state organization where we could fellowship together. And then that state organization connected with a national organization. I was asked to become a member of a group called Minuteman. And that Minuteman group would go to Washington, D.C. twice a year. And there in D.C., we would go to Capitol Hill and we would 
you might say, not use the word lobby, but we would present to our representatives there, congressmen and women, uh, senators, our concerns about Christian education. Basically, in our group, we were saying, would you just let us alone? Mm-hmm. We won't even ask you for any dollars, okay? Yeah, yeah. We, but but don't make rules that will take and impinge upon our freedom to do what we want to do in providing that Christian education. So I, I studied and became informed on issues and ideas and ideologies. And as a result of those things, that preparation there, and let me just share a quick one uh, moment experience there. I happened to be in the office of one of the congressmen from Omaha, Nebraska, and I was sharing with him our concerns. And then I, I said, could I take just a moment and pray for you? Hmm. And I prayed for the congressman. And he says, I'm headed back to uh, Omaha so that I can go on Wednesday night with my ch- kids to uh, an Awana program, a special uh, program. Well, maybe you can answer that question some other time with yeah. him. But as a result of that, uh, he took off and left the room and the staffer was sitting there and she just had her mouth wide open. She said, I've never seen that before. Hmm. You know, I said, what? Well, you, you shared scripture with him and you, and you prayed with him. And I said, well, yeah, the Bible says that we're supposed to pray. And in fact, it, it commands us in First Timothy chapter 2 to pray for those who are in authority over us, kings and others. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm doing. And she said, wow. She said, hey, could you, could you point me to maybe a Bible study for women that's here on the hill? And I said, you know what? I actually have a lady friend of mine who is leading a Bible study and it's right here off of the, the, the subway. And she said, where? And I gave her the address. She says, well, that's just down the street. Mm. And I said, it's at seven o'clock on Tuesday mornings. She says, oh, I can come to that. The others are at nighttime and I can't come to those. Mm. She connected with them. And I know for the year and a half that she continued to serve in that man's office, she went mm. to Bible study. So it was an exciting thing. But God prepared me by giving me those connections there. And then I'm able to bring those back here to the Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, that's awesome. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of of uh, of what these studies are about and some of the uh, how do we get partisans in the same room and all that kind of stuff. It's a friendly fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln uh, talking, by the way, to uh, Chaplain Aaron Hess here of Capital Studies on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIM. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Chaplain Aaron Hess here from Capital Studies. And, uh, okay, I've mentioned this a couple of times already, but when it comes to uh, we live in one of the most partisan eras in American history and uh, it is no different at our own state capital I know that and yet um, you're there not to be a Republican or a Democrat or an independent but to be a Christian to be a pastor and to be a chaplain down there how uh, how do you get uh, people who are very different into a Bible study what's what's that what's that look like well, let me just share with you, I, I do have Democrats and I do have Republicans who attend my Bible study. Mm-hmm. Now, the legislature is nonpartisan. Yep. Uh, they're elected to office with no R or D behind their name or, or we might even put some other there, uh, different uh, groupings. 
But people are invited regardless of those names and terminologies. It's not liberal or progressive or conservative or that type of thing. They're a soul that needs Jesus. Mm. And so as a result of that, I've been accused by some of being a lobbyist there in in the Capitol building. Lobbying for Jesus? And, and that is actually the phrase that I use with the person who was interviewing me mm. and saying that you've been accused of this and they're mm. going to turn you over to the Accountability Commission. And, and I just said, you know, if the only thing I can be accused of actually is lobbying for Jesus, mm. and I am, I'm sharing the good news from the Bible, his mm. word, that Jesus is the answer. He's the mm. way, the truth, and the life. And so that's what we do is we do Bible studies with these. And then those who come, there are many who already have a connection with the Lord uh, in the fact that they, they go to faithfully to their church back in their district, in their home area, and uh, they are a follower of Jesus Christ. There are many that are like that. There are some that are not. Mm-hmm. But we even have some of those who are coming to our Bible studies. Mm-hmm. Out of, out of uh, 49 senators, we, we have 17 who've attended Bible study. Mm-hmm. So you figure that up, that, that we're talking about 40, upwards to close to 40% of, of the senators there. And then I have a very favorable uh, relationship with the others that are there, many of the others. Uh, there's a few that would rather I wouldn't be there and, and, <laughs> and that type of thing. But, yeah. but I try to be faithful. And here's what we do is, Stu, we take and we come in, and, and uh, on a Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock, they have to be committed. They have to come in early to work, and uh, we provide for them a breakfast. A volunteer group of our people help do that. We'll talk more about that. But uh, they bring the breakfast into them so that they can connect and get their breakfast. But at the same time, I can take a half an hour of their time, and I can share with them from God's Word. This past legislative session, we shared from the book of Nehemiah, an Old Testament uh, book about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And who was it who led that? He was a civil servant. He had originally been in the palace at Susa, and God called him and brought him then to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, it tells the story of how he fought opposition and antagonism and, and criticism and the like of all of these types of things. And he overcame so many obstacles, and he, he rallied the people so that in 52 days, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Amazing, a miraculous thing. It could only be accomplished because God was with them. Mm. And that's the kind of lesson uh, that we bring to the senators. Now, we teach that same lesson over the noon hour to staff members. We, again, provide a meal for them. And our goal is is to try to share with them Bible truth that will help them, Bible principles that will help mm. guide and their life and guard their soul because there's so much that's in 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 the attack mode in those settings mm. and so we want to protect their integrity and to help them with their their responsibilities nehemiah was an excellent leader and he shows how those leadership qualities uh, are necessary in the life of one who would be doing god's work yeah yeah uh, nehemiah one of the f- famous aspects of that i i believe in one scene he's he's got a trowel in one hand to, to rebuild the one he's got a sword in the other hand because he's got to fight off some of the people who are trying to de- destroy, you know, to slow down his work. Yes. And uh, you ever feel like you're, like you're a little bit like Nehemiah yourself, that you're trying to build up with one hand, you're trying to fend off, you know, the people who are attacking, and 
I, I imagine that's what politicians feel like, too. They're, they're living in this divided world. Yes, that's very true. And even our Bible study that we did yesterday or, or this past Wednesday uh, with our, our uh, staffers that work in the building there, we have not only staffers from the senator's office, but we are now inviting others and other people come who work in various capacities in the Capitol building, uh, the, the undersecretary to uh, uh, the secretary of state was there for our Bible study the other day. Mm. And uh, she commented about the Bible study. We are doing a study right now on the book of Psalms. And mm. so we happen to be in Psalm 7, and it talks about what do you do when somebody slanders you, mm. criticizes you, speaks evil of you, gossips about you. And I tell you what, <laughs> life's filled with that, isn't it? Yeah. And so as a result of that, I, I shared this Bible study. In, in sharing that Bible study, I helped them to, to realize that God has truths in his word that will help them combat those types, types of things. You mentioned the sword and the trowel, no. and, and those are really appropriate for us even in the day and age in which we live. The Bible reminds us, and we shared in that study there a reference to a New, New Testament verse, that we are to be uh, sober-minded, uh, to be always walking in awareness. Why? Because we have an adversary. The devil is a roaring lion mm -hmm. who walks about seeking whom he may devour. Yeah. And uh, we want to share with them the tools that they can have, that they can walk a victorious Christian life. And it does mean that while they're building and doing these works with the trial, they've got to keep the sword and the armor in place so that they can effectively be doing what God's called them to do. Yeah. And God has called many people there, these staff members that I'm talking about, mm -hmm. the senators that we're talking about, to, to take and serve him in that sector. It's a very important area. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, we're going to take one last break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, do a shameless plug, uh, talk about the ministry itself, and then I want to dig in a little bit to the uh, one of the aspects of of politics. You know, there's there's always been adversarial relationships in politics and and so forth, but it seems like with each passing year, uh, my my political opponent then becomes more and more. Uh, not just my enemy, but but we've got now now sides that look at the other one and just says, well, they're just plain evil, and and uh and I have told my congregation, if I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, if 50% of the people in your life you consider to be evil, how are you going to reach them for Christ? <laughs> that they, uh, we've we've got to somehow get through this, get past this, where our primary identity is not R or D or I or L or whatever it is, but it's uh, but if we follow Christ, our primary identity is in Him. Uh, but it it just feels to me like that is a an even more acute challenge uh, than than what we've seen in the past. So should we dig into that just a little bit? Yes. All right. We're going to take uh, a break here again, talking with Chaplain Aaron Hess here from Capital Studies. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Chaplain Aaron Hess of Capital Studies. And uh, Aaron, it is that time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So I say plug away. 
Well, I, I want to say to you that what we're doing is is really trying to help all the people who serve in this capacity, mm -hmm. whether they're an actual elected official or whether they're a hired uh, helper in in the setting that of uh, the Capitol building. All of those people need Jesus as their Savior, mm -hmm. and that's my goal and my purpose. Uh, I find that people on either side of the aisle, if I come with the love of Christ and really with a humble heart, desires to share with them the 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 plea of the gospel which is is that god wants them to be saved christ died for our sins according to the scriptures he was buried rose again the third day and that gospel is just as powerful today as it was back in paul's day who wrote those very words mm -hmm. now it's important for us to understand that while i'm doing this work i'm doing it supported by uh, many churches Many individuals, in fact, my largest uh, support block comes from individuals, mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for that. And I would just say to you, if you're listening and you want to know more information about it, I'll go ahead and say it right now. You can connect with us online at capitalstudies.org, capitalstudies.org, capitalstudies.org. Yes, and, and there is a place where you can connect and you can give if you would like to give. Financially, your gifts are appreciated, acknowledged, and uh, we're a 501c3. We're able to do it as a charitable donation, and tax exemption can uh, be a benefit for you on that. Even if you cannot give, in fact, I would love for you to connect with us and get on our mailing list so we can send out to you periodically newsletters that tell you about and show pictures of work that's being done in the Capitol building and with the Capitol community. Mm -hmm. To me, they are my mission field. They are my family. And uh, I, I used to serve as a pastor for 41 plus years. This is my new congregation. Mm -hmm. And I, I look at them and some of them say, well, I don't want you pastoring me. I don't want you being here. And I still in love continue to reach out to them. Mm -hmm. I had one senator who is not on either side of the aisle in opposition to me, but just is not the kind of person that would say that she would want to be a part of it. But earlier that day, I had actually uh, prayed for her. And uh, as she was coming into the chamber, I happened to be standing over to the side. I oftentimes am available there for senators. They can come out and I can have prayer with them or I can share uh, verses of scripture that will perhaps help them in dealing with issues that are at hand. And uh, so she saw me and uh, she just patted on her heart and pointed at me and mm. saying, you know, thank you for my heart. Mm. I just took and, and folded my hands together and pointed back at her that we'll be praying for you. Mm. We actually publish a prayer guide that we use, and we'd be glad to send that out to you. We have prayer marches that go around the Capitol building and through the Capitol building, and those prayer groups of people are praying in name for not only mm. the senators, but even if they know them, the staff members who are serving there in the Capitol building. Mm. We reach out as well to the executive branch and to the judicial branch. So I provide Bible studies for them. These Bible studies are published. And at our website, again, capitalstudies.org, you can find the actual copies of the Bible studies, the study of the book of Nehemiah. We did an earlier study with staff of First John. We've been doing a study now since things have finished up, uh, a study that was called Foundations for Freedom. We had borrowed it from a group called Wall Builders, and it was a video presentation. We were able to use that to help 
uh, those staff members and others understand the, the Christian foundation of America. But then we we talked even more so, and starting right now, have been doing a study in the book of Psalms, mm-hmm. the hymn book of not only the Hebrew people, but for all of God's people. Yeah. And it's been a great blessing to study the Psalter that way. Yeah, yeah. There uh if anybody, if people know any part of the Bible, they again they might know some of the more famous stories, but then they probably know they know snippets of the Psalms, right? Yes, they and do. they forget that these were originally sung, what about three thousand years ago, or, yes. or roughly, yes. and have been sung ever since. That's right, that's right. And in fact, uh, people would say that you know I know the the shepherd's psalm, uh, the mm-hmm. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and yep. and they're they're familiar with these things. Well, we're sharing them so that they can gain uh, truth from those psalms, the the songs that were sung, uh, even the one that we just did this past Wednesday, Psalm seven. Mm-hmm. It said that David sang that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he not only composed it and wrote right. it, but he's actually the worship leader for it. Yes. He's the one who sang it. So that, that is that's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, uh, back to this. Uh, about five minutes left here. The 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 last this question I've been wrestling with, and 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 you are in the belly of the beast with this. That as Christians, we want. Uh, you mentioned it's, it's beautiful. You want people to know the, the the love of Christ through you, and that they you care about them. Yes. And uh, and 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 I. You know, just the, the way that you come across, I have a hard time believing people couldn't see that. But but so many I hear Christians say things like this. Well, you know, for the times in which we live, though, you know, you got to recognize who your enemies are and you got to defeat them. And, and I hear the words evil used a lot on both sides of the aisle that my enemy is not just wrong, but they're so wrong that I, I have no way to characterize them but as evil and and I can only say as a, you know, you've been a pastor for longer than I've been a pastor, and I've been a pastor a long time. Yeah. If if I look at the people I'm trying to reach for Christ as as evil, not as someone that God has loved in Christ, that makes it really hard uh, to to relate to them, yes. to 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 help them know that I'm for them. That's right. Uh, how do you how do you accomplish that? <laughs> Well, Pastor Stu, that is not an easy thing to do for anyone. But I will just say to you that when you have the love of Christ that compels you, and that Mm -hmm. is really what the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is that it constrains me to reach out to each and every soul. Mm -hmm. And even while I was driving here today, I saw a man standing waiting for a bus. And as I passed by him, I prayed for him. Because that face, that individual standing there represents a soul for which Jesus died. Mm. And he cared about them. You know, Jesus didn't care the color of their skin. He didn't care their nationality. He, he, he cared for their soul. And as a result of that, he reached everyone, out to everyone that he possibly could. Now, mm-hmm. you know, religion and politics and other things can stand in the way of that. But don't let them be barriers to you genuinely sharing the love of Christ, mm-hmm. because it, it, it is what will compel us then to be ambassadors with the good news that God wants to be reconciled with them. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm talking to those and, and there is great division sometimes among the politicians mm-hmm. and even the workers in the Capitol building. And I just remind them that, you know, you're a human being. They're a human being. They're part of the human race. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they deserve respect. And and so listen to them, honestly listen to them, but then also pursue with them the truth. Mm -hmm. There is 
the truth, not a truth, but the truth, and pursue with them what the truth is from the Scripture, the book of truth, who tells us that there is one who calls himself the truth, mm. and he is able to provide for them the way of salvation. And I I find that by doing that, I'm able to help them uh, what what I might say, mend the fences that have been built up as barriers between them, mm-hmm. and they can reach out to one another and to share, even in their personal lives. I've seen uh, those who are serving on the floor of the Capitol building there, and they are speaking into the microphone, and uh, they're, they're speaking on a very heated debate about a very, very important issue. And somebody on the other side of the aisle has called them names. But I heard that senator take and respond in a calm, collected tone, a verse of Scripture, and to share the love of Christ. Mm. I said, you know, that's really what's needed in that environment. Mm. It becomes the balm and the salve that provides the healing. There is a balm in Gilead, the Bible tells us, and Mm -hmm. he's able to provide that healing that is needed for the souls of men, women, and children. Mm -hmm. We live in a hurting, broken world, and here here we are with offering the hope of Jesus. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting how just, uh, again, genuine love, uh, which flows, God is love. He's shown us his love in Christ, and to have that genuine love flow through us, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to uh, argue against, it, isn't it? It is, it is. Yeah. And, and if people will just understand that and grasp it, that, you know, God doesn't ask perfect people to come to him. Nobody would come to him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't come because I'm not yeah. perfect. Nobody could come to him. He doesn't ask us to clean up our lives and then come to him. Mm-hmm. He just simply says to take and, and turn to him, to God, yes. from our idols of life and trust him. Yes, that's, that's the perfect word to finish on. It's been great having you here, uh, Chaplain Aaron Hess in Capital Studies. Thanks for being here today. God bless you, Jim. You bet. I leave you seeing as I always do to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.